Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hola, Chula. It's me, Dalida. Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Your Latina Nutrition. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. We are dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for a community, tools to ditch the diet, help with finding authentic health and keeping your culture alive, join my membership brought to you by today's sponsor, me. Hola, hola, chulas. We are so excited, Melissa. We're so excited because we hear the conversation about what do I do with my GI stuff when I'm trying to become an intuitive eater all the time. And we have a wonderful guest to help us explore this today. Yes. Today we have Samina Qureshi. Did I say that right? I feel like I bombed it. I just practiced it. Like She just practiced. <laughs> Perfect. I know I'm saying it. I'm like, crap, I think I made that. Uh, a little harder than it should have been. Okay. So yay. We're so excited to have you. Can you introduce yourself for us? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the mini intro. Samina Qureshi is my name. I'm a registered dietitian and based in Houston, Texas. I am in private practice. I've been practicing for eight years and have had my practice for four years. It's called Wholesome Start. You may have seen me on the Instagrams. My handle is anti-diet IBS dietitian. And I just changed it. So that's why I had a little bit of a hiccup there. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, ultimately I work with people one-on-one to help them learn how to heal their relationship with food. And along the way, we talk about those uncomfortable gut symptoms and how to find relief without rigid diets, stress, guilt, or shame. Well, you know, we're all about that. Literally all of that. I think it's interesting because so many of our listeners and even our clients are constantly talking about IBS symptoms. And sometimes I feel like people just use the word IBS, but they technically aren't even diagnosed with IBS. It's just like a term so many people just throw around. So before we even get started about this conversation, do you want to give us a little like, I don't know, definition of what IBS actually is for our listeners to understand? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's super common. Even with the people I work with, oftentimes they aren't diagnosed with IBS. IBS stands for irritable bowel syndrome. With IBS, the normal regulation of the gut-brain interactions become altered, which changes the motility and sensation within the gut. What that means is it disturbs the natural gut process and can produce symptoms like abdominal pain and discomfort, bloating, gas, and a change in bowel habits, which is that lovely diarrhea and constipation. (laughs) Oh yeah. Love to talk about it. There's no shame in talking about your BMs. So yeah, it's common for people to throw around the word IBS because oftentimes 
it takes people like over five years just to get diagnosed. There's a a long process of ruling out potentially what it could be, right? So let's say you go to the doctor. Okay. I have all these upset stomach issues, gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, and stomach pain. And they're like, oh, okay. Take me relax, do some things, eat healthier. Sometimes they say lose weight, which does not even relate. And then they're like, okay, I'm still struggling with this. Should I go and see a GI doctor? And so they go to the GI doctor to rule out other conditions. You're looking at like celiac disease, right? You want to make sure you don't have IBD or ulcerative colitis and those types of conditions. And that can be a really long drawn out process. And it sometimes weeds out people who may not have access to all of these healthcare needs, right? And so I think that's why the term I have IBS or gut issues kind of gets thrown around because there isn't a actual lab test to tell you that you have IBS. It is a collection of symptoms that happen kind of over time. I think too, a lot of clients report like it's the access to care, but also like how exhausting it is to go through that. So even if you are lucky and privileged to have access to these providers and tests, it can feel so defeating to keep going back and be told like, oh, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. So I just notice a lot of people feeling really defeated when they can't get an answer. Do you find that in your practice? Absolutely. And just because you don't have a diagnosis for something does not mean that you're not worthy of seeking out care right? Because regardless of whether or not you have a diagnosis, you can still make different changes to the way you eat, your mindset around food, which might impact how your digestion is. Love that. Love that. Especially because I feel like a lot of times, again, we rely on other people to tell us how our body's feeling. And I ultimately tell everyone, you're the one living in your body. You're the one that has these symptoms and and feel these unfortunate discomforts. And so if you're telling me something's happening, I'm going to believe you and help you relieve those symptoms, regardless or not, if you have a diagnosis, right? Like we, we don't need to have that name to it in order to help you feel better now. So I love that you said that. So let's ask you the first question (laughs) because we kind of got off topic, but I, I think that a lot of the time we often feel like we need to restrict in order to see improvements with IBS. And so we wanted to ask you, how do you work with your clients to see improvements without restricting? Yeah. So that is ultimately exactly what I do with my clients. When it comes to proper digestion, my philosophy is making sure that you're meeting your basic nutritional needs, period. We have to start with a good foundation of having you nourish your body consistently and adequately throughout the day to make sure that your metabolism is running in a most optimal way for you and that your digestion has an opportunity to like actually function, right? You can't have a smooth, beautiful banana shaped bowel movement if there's no fuel going inside of your body or if you're having just like irregular eating patterns. And so instead of starting right off the bat with elimination, you know, I screen all of my clients for potential of disordered eating or eating disorders. And if 
you do struggle with, you know, chronic dieting or rigid food rules in general, elimination diets like the low FODMAP diet may not be appropriate for you, period. So we don't need to go ahead and jump into something that immediately looks at restriction. We need to look at how you're caring for your body on a regular basis and not only nutritionally, we also need to see other aspects of your life and how that may be impacting your digestive symptoms. Because we know that IBS is that gut brain interaction disorder, stress is a huge factor in making the symptoms be aggravated and um, can contribute to making you feel worse. So not only, you know, are we talking about adding in foods that can help you meet your nutritional needs and meet your fiber goals. We also talk about like stress management, physical activity or gentle movement. Hydration is extremely important, especially for my constipation peeps. And what do I say? Physical activity, hydration, stress management, and sleep hygiene. Well, I got to make sure that you're getting sleep, right? And so, yeah, I, I don't immediately go into my approach with nutrition in a restrictive mindset. It's all about making sure you're meeting your basic needs. And then what can we add into your diet that can help round out some of the foods you're eating and meet your fiber goals so that you can have a nice smooth bowel movement. Love it. And so I have two questions for, for this because, you know, I, I'm very interested and in, I've gone to a few conferences where they talk about the brain gut connection. And you've said it twice already yeah. it's not on my list, but I need you to talk about it because it's so interesting. And I'm often talking about it in the two club, but I would love to hear from you. If you could, you know, let our listeners know what this gut brain connection is. Right. So there is something called the vagus nerve. That is the connection between our different systems in the body and our brain communicates with our gut through the vagus nerve and our gut actually communicates to our brain. So there's not only a one-way communication from our brain to our gut, there's that bi-directional communication. And so sometimes what that means is if you're looking at the foods you have access to and you're scared to eat because of a previous experience and it causing symptoms, just you thinking that can impact how you end up feeling and the symptoms that you experience. So a lot of the work I do with people is reframing situations and talking about experiences and kind of challenging the ideas we have around food, because just because something happened once doesn't mean it's always going to happen. And so setting your body up to be in that rest and digest phase instead of the fight or flight can be very helpful in regulating the nervous system and that gut brain connection so that when you do eat, you are in that calm state and it feels good and you're able to move on with your day and not think about food or digestive symptoms. Love it. Rest and digest. I love that because that's something that people don't really realize. (laughs) We kind of need to let our body rest and digest the food that it, that it's just consumed. And I think a lot of the times we're so much in a rush to do everything. And just like the world is just so stressful as it is already that like, we just forget that we're still like, we we still need to live. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And resting resting is okay. I don't know, Melissa, what do you think? Well, I think like it's twofold. It's like the pace of life and like regular stressors. And this totally resonates. I've heard clients talk about this before. We're like the fear of, oh my gosh, I'm at a restaurant and I have diarrhea. Or I, I had a client who bought tickets to an event and her best friend was in town and 
she was getting so worked up about maybe needing to leave that her symptoms were like going crazy. So this is a really important distinction. Like, and I hope it's a relief to people listening, especially if you're clear, like, I don't want to diet anymore. That's like super stressful, stressful for people to be like, I don't want to diet anymore, but I might have to diet because of these symptoms. Maybe the strategy first, what you're saying here, Samina, is to like focus on that body mind connection. See if you can bring the stress down a little bit. What does that do for symptoms? And then you can start to explore. Is that kind of like the ordering that? Yeah. So there are some foundations, right. And like, just kind of like you were saying, how do you slow down? So then the uh, aspect of like mindfulness comes into play with, you know, the first place we digest food is actually in our mouths. Like if you are going into a meal ravenous and super hangry, there's no space for mindfulness. There's no space to slow down with your meals. And that is naturally going to happen when you only have two seconds to eat. But over time, and you, you when you find time in your busy schedule to eat, how can you slow down and just make sure that you're chewing food so that the natural enzymes in your saliva have an opportunity to meet with the food and start the digestive process. Yeah, there, there's definitely a lot to work towards when it comes to digestion that has absolutely nothing to do with even changing what you're eating. I love that. I'm always talking about saliva enzymes. <laughs> always? <laughs> I have a funny story about salivary amylase. Would you like to tell it? That's quite the lead. Like my husband kissed my eye and I was like thinking, oh no, like the salivary amylase is going to start decomposing my eyeball in some way. It's a weird thing. I had a weird thing. This was an undergrad and I was you were first learning about the power <laughs> yeah. of enzymes. You're like, what is the barrier on these guys? These enzymes yeah, are everything. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be able to survive. I know. Amylase is you know, it obsessed with carbs. That's just its thing. Yeah. You, know, it, you don't have to worry about yeah. dry well. I don't think exactly. dry have any carbohydrates in them. No, no. <laughs> oh my no. gosh. Yeah. I love this because like, I feel like oftentimes a lot of people forget that as even as intuitive eating dietitians, we still have this huge scientific knowledge that we might not often be talking about in our posts because it's really hard. Nobody, nobody cares about the science. Well, and it's often um, not necessary. Yeah. Like, and the, it's not, yeah. The exception to the rule is that you need specialized nutrition care. Yeah. That's the reality. And yeah. diet culture tells us that everybody needs yeah. hyper-personalized specialized yeah. nutrition care. Yeah. We don't actually have a ton of evidence for that. We have yeah. evidence for adequacy, which yeah. is saying. Yeah. She's snapping. She's like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> I just resonate so much with what you guys say. And even like having people heal their relationship with food in turn causes better digestion. Like the result is just a doesn't hurt. (laughs) And if you are still having symptoms after we have done work to find balance with food and understand what a healthy relationship with food looks like for you, then we can address that in a gentle way, which is. The next question that I have, how do you approach elimination and reintroduction of foods if now we have healed someone's relationship with food and they're still having symptoms and, you know, FODMAP is like the thing that everybody wants to do, but how do you approach that? 
Yeah. So first of all, I like to see whether or not that person is, first of all, screening for eligibility. The low FODMAP diet is actually contraindicated for people who have a history of chronic dieting, disordered eating and eating disorders. So right off the bat, if I know someone has been struggling with all those things, I'm not even going to talk about FODMAPs. If we move forward and decide that you, you know, want to take this approach with the FODMAP diet, There's a lot of misconceptions with what it is. The low FODMAP diet is a short-term elimination for ultimately two to six weeks of removing high FODMAP foods to see if they impact your digestive symptoms. Ultimately, people can find relief from their IBS symptoms within two weeks of doing low FODMAP. And at that two-week point or the point of relief, we start to strategically add back in the foods that we we're eliminating. And so the way we talk about which foods you want to prioritize adding in again is what foods did you miss the most? What foods culturally are significant for you that are definitely going to be present in all of the meals that you cook? For me, I'm Pakistani and the base of all of our foods is onion, garlic, and tomatoes. So we got to try those high FODMAP offenders first. Um, If they're going to be the base of your food, and then strategically adding them back in. So ultimately we can expand your diet. The purpose of the low FODMAP diet is not to restrict your diet to only two foods that you can eat. It is to remove the triggers, add them back in strategically to see what impact they have. And then ultimately give you more options to eat so that you can feel good and and more empowered to make choices that help you feel your best. Love it. And unfortunately, I can't tell you how sad it is because I feel like garlic, onions, tomato are like the base for so many of our cultural foods. And I have had a few clients who, you know, have had to definitely reduce their intake of of those. And it's so heartbreaking at times because we do cook a lot with them. And so what do you do Mm -hmm. with your clients if these foods happen to be a major irritant in their day. How, how do we navigate knowing that we can't have that? And it's not because of diet reasons, but because they're actually irritating us, but they're still part of our culture. Yeah. And I think that goes back to really that first like principle of like ditching diet culture and letting go of like the rigid food rules. When it comes to gentle nutrition, you're ultimately doing things to make your body feel good. I'm sorry, there there was a long pause there, but it was because I was trying to figure out, you know. Well, gentle nutrition is a really tough principle. And I think even as dietitians, we're always, I think that's a really powerful skill you have, Samita, to pause and say like, how do I I frame this? Because our listeners are coming from diet culture. So I appreciate the nuance that you're trying to tackle here. Right. So I, I feel like I have so much to say, but there is a difference, just like Delina was kind of talking about between restricting because I can't have this. I want to be healthy or skinny, et cetera, versus I can't have this right now because I'm trying to figure out what's bothering my stomach. And if we figure out that, okay, ultimately I haven't had patients yet or clients that like completely cannot tolerate any onion or garlic. Once we do the low FODMAP elimination, we strategically reintroduce them and we determine their personal tolerance level. So if that means that you, for me, the more garlic, garlic cloves in a recipe, the the more better, right? Like (laughs) it's going to be great. So if you find that, you know, garlic is the main thing that brings a lot of flavor and like 
just oomph to your dishes, how can we get that same flavor without maybe the FODMAP load? So there are ways that you can get like garlic infused Mm -hmm. oil. You can get onion infused oils. It it definitely adds to the flavor Mm -hmm. of dishes, but ultimately let's say you're making a stew, whatever type of stew and the base is onions and garlic. um, And you end up using like two or three garlic cloves and half of an onion. You're not eating two or three garlic cloves and half of an onion in one sitting, right? It's cooked for this whole big pot and your whole family's eating it and you're eating with rice and lentils Mm -hmm. and beans and different Mm -hmm. things, right? And so you're ultimately taking the fear away from those potential trigger foods by Mm -hmm. saying like, I'm not eating this in half an onion sitting. Like, yeah. So understanding your personal tolerance level, and then also accepting that with IBS, sometimes digestive distress and symptoms just happen. It is the the nature of the condition and to be accepting and understanding that sometimes you're going to have flare-ups despite how well you eat. Mm-hmm. And kind of having that IBS flare toolkit is what I talk about with my clients as well. Because even if let's say you eat non-trigger foods for the rest of your life, there are other components or other factors that contribute to symptoms, stress, lack of sleep, inactivity, poor hydration, right? And so taking the power away that like food is going to cure all is also can be, can be very powerful. I love that. I love that because this idea that food is medicine is so big and, and people just feel like they can cure everything by just like eating well. And it's like, there's not one way of eating that's going to make people live forever. And I think you know something that I often say to my clients is that sometimes you have to think of this as, think of this as a medical intervention, right? Like when we're thinking about, you know, whether or not you can't, you know, you're, you have triggers um, and we're talking about gentle nutrition. It's no, it's not a diet. You're not doing this restriction because you're being diet. You're, because it's scary because a lot of people do feel like they're they're going into diety territory. So thinking of it as a medical intervention of like, we want you to feel good in your body. We want you to feel comfortable in your body. We don't want you to eat something that's going to make you be in pain. Seeing it that way, reframing it helps a lot. But I'll tell you, I have, I have one client who is, you know, garlic is just, yeah, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so Guyanese. <laughs> everything, yeah. everything, garlic, chicken, garlic, everything. Oh, if you're listening, you know I'm talking about you. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. It's, it's, it's hard. Funny. Yeah, so reframing, I think, helps. Coming off the nutrition as the sole be all end all, I think, mm-hmm. is such a great takeaway because if that's what does it, and that doesn't even cause complete relief when it fails, of course. We're, we're, we're getting all anxious and stressed again. And so it's such an empowering message that you're giving, like, yes, food is important. And so are all these other things, including acceptance of symptoms. And how are you kind to yourself when that happens? I, I think it's really similar to when people have binge eating disorder or go through binges, like even with your best understanding of your triggers and your toolkits, it might happen sometimes. And how are you to yourself when that happens? We're not mm-hmm. perfect. Our bodies aren't perfect the whole relationship that intuitive eating offers, like how you frame and think about your experiences, it's just endless what's possible for you. If you can use that framework instead of waiting for a list from somebody. And I have so many clients who come from, I won't list the types of providers, but they're not registered dietitians and they're giving these highly restrictive lists. 
and it doesn't make any sense. And I, I wonder sometimes if the providers care more about their authority in the relationship than they yeah. do for the person in front of them, you know, like you need me to tell you what you can and can't yeah. eat. I just love the empowerment that intuitive eating brings people who are suffering and struggling with something that's valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes. This feels like, so we're all just like here, like sitting in like the amazingness of this conversation. Get some like, anti-diet dietitians together. We're like, we are so onto something with this, aren't we? Aren't yeah. we onto something? We're so high five. <laughs> we all just like had this like face of like somberness. <laughs> 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 Like just nodding. Holy, holy moments. (laughs) So funny. No, it's so nice to talk to people who just get it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't help but testify. (laughs) It's really hard to find people that get it in the the grand look at like how this world works. Finding your community is important. Yeah. And clients are, and people are looking for this. I mean, that's one of the things with Delina here all the time. It's like, I know I can't diet anymore, but now what? You know, it's it's a kind of a scary feeling because even though it wasn't working, it was the devil you knew to keep dieting. So I hope it helps people to hear the excitement of us and our guests that this this is something of a new opportunity for you to live your life in a different way. That's, That's what we're all looking for. For sure. Mm -hmm. Do what's best for your body now, taking it like one day, one meal at a time. (laughs) It can't be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And just like we were talking about, okay, you have flares. What do you do? And you were talking about how do you be compassionate to yourself in those moments, whether it's a binge that you ended up having or a flare with diarrhea and stomach pain. It's really important to know how to care for yourself in those moments instead of getting upset with yourself and and kind of being in this negative headspace of like, well, why did this happen? Oh no, it's because of what I ate or it's because I did this or didn't do this. And there's so much that nutrition therapy can offer. However, there's also a lot of grace in just having compassion for yourself mm-hmm. and letting yourself figure it out as you go. Like we don't all have to be perfect. And, and sometimes despite even doing everything right, things happen. And that's, that's a part of life. It's really hard to accept. It is. A lot of people have such a hard time accepting that we, we can't be perfect ever. (laughs) It's never going to happen. We can never eat perfectly. Why are you coming at me right now? Why are you coming at me? I didn't say anything. We just did a whole episode on my perfectionism and the process I take. Oh my gosh. I'm so good at helping other people through it, but myself is like a, a work in progress. And meanwhile, I'm, I'm just here. like, here I am. I just showed up. Selena and I joke. I mean, you strike me as more my, my variety of type A humans. Am I picking up? Am I picking up? We did just meet, but I'm I, like the little spidey sense is up. Oh no, you picked it's up on beautiful. Why do people... <laughs> Type A people make the world go round. We make things happen. We just have to not destruct ourselves in the process. I'm trying. Type B makes it fun and joyful and dreams big. That's why I need Delina. She keeps me inspired and dreaming all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like as a new mom, I've like entered this a little bit of a constant frazzled state. Yeah. And I'm leaning into it. I'm like, I'll just do what I can when I can. And it's, oh, it's hard. How it's got to it's, be. Uh, it's definitely a whole mood living like this. I'll tell you that much. I'm just here. You have a nesting doll of whole mood with the kids. Brian's schedule. 
Oh, you got, wow. Yeah. You got the, I gotta go. I gotta go with the flow. Yeah. I can't, I cannot not go with the flow at this point yeah. in my life, <laughs> but enough about me. <laughs> Takeaway points of today. <laughs> Being nourished is by far the best thing you could do for yourself when it comes to having any GI symptoms, because your GI symptoms could be happening because you are not nourished enough and your GI tract cannot function properly if that is the case. So having enough is super, super important. So don't think that you need to jump into some restrictive diet because oftentimes that is not the answer. And two, I think, you know, that's what we learned the most from you, Samina, is self-compassion right? That we can't be perfect and that flare-ups will happen and they're not your fault. And we have to take it one day, one meal at a time, and you're going to be okay. There's still hope. And we want your poops to be smooth yeah. and, uh, and banana-like. <laughs> I know. It's, it's such a beautiful <laughs> visual, isn't it? I mean, I'm going to just close. If ever you get a beautiful, smooth banana poop, you find me the person that's not celebrating themselves when they're like, right? how about that? It's a great it's, feeling. It's a good feeling. And that's, it's okay to enjoy a nice quality poop. I'm yeah. going to de-shame pooping. It's okay to like oh it. Oh my God. It's okay to to poop. Oh, yes. It's all right. Everybody poops. Yes. Everyone poops. And know? we all deserve to feel good when we poop. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we are a poop positive group. We are a poop positive one. Gas positive. We should get that going. We should like a little hashtag poop positivity. Actually, I don't even want to know the photographs that would be involved. Let's let's rethink that. We'll we'll just talk about that offline. Yeah, (laughs) guys, I don't don't sue me if you Google poop positive and you don't like what you. No, don't (laughs) do that. I don't think it's not good. Not responsible for whatever that is. Um, Samina, I just enjoyed hanging out with you so much. You are awesome. Can you tell us how do people find you? You said your handle. Do you, are you working with clients only in Texas? Tell us a little bit more about you as we close today. Right. So again, my Instagram handle is antidiet.ibs.dietitian. We'll put it in show notes too. So they'll be able to click to you. Perfect. I work with individuals across the country. I am signing people up for my 12 week IBS food freedom program, where I help you learn how to heal your relationship with food while addressing your uncomfortable gut symptoms. And yeah, I work with people one-on-one, but I am working on a course that is going to launch soon. So if you just want information and to learn more, stay tuned. Awesome. Thank so you great. so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. This was so much fun. Thanks, Amina. We'll see you guys next time. All right, Mel Mel. We just finished recording. <laughs> Sorry, Nyla almost fell off a chair behind me. <laughs> okay, first of all, she's so cute. Like she's she's just helping herself to some, what is it, cereal? She's just helping herself and just look at she kind of like made eye contact with me, like, look at me go. <laughs> and, and almost fall. Anyway, back to why we're here. You all get all the bloopers from my kids. Like, do my kids not interrupt any episode that we ever make? I'm not even sure, but Samina knows because she, she has a new baby at home. So yes. she, she, she understands, <laughs> but she was so good to talk to and so encouraging for anybody who's on this journey because having GI symptoms as hard as it is, and then having diet culture bombarding you with all of these cure-alls to supposedly make it go away. It's so hard. Yeah, it's harsh. I don't know the exact statistic. I think I heard this on the maintenance phase podcast. 
but they had done some deep dive where they said that at any given time, 50% of the population could report having some sort of GI symptom like diarrhea or constipation yeah. or gas, yeah, yeah, yeah. which makes so much sense. Like there is a normal yeah. experience that we have. Yeah. And of Collective, course there yeah. are people who might flare up or have extremes mm-hmm. in those experiences. But like what, what I'm trying to say is there's a huge market for people mm-hmm. to sell you solutions mm-hmm. that are you know, you're spending money, you're spending time that could actually exacerbate it. And I love that Celine is kind of adding that little pushback to say, you know what, what if we go back to basics? What if we think about water, sleep, uh, our stress Mm -hmm. levels, like Mm -hmm. that's really empowering. Yeah. And you know what, this reminds me of a pharmacology class I had to take once for my (laughs) master's. Hello, I take pharmacology. Back in the day. Um, and actually back in the day. And I remember we were talking about like GI drugs and our professor was like, the number one cause of GI symptoms in the world is stress. We're all stressed all the time. Yeah. I just want you all to know that. <laughs> so you can have GI symptoms. It does not mean that there's, you know, something necessarily wrong with you. It's just part of being human. Yep. And so her, her method is helpful because it sure is. you could rule out the humanity of it. And then if there is something deeper going on, that's okay too. You can work with that. Mm-hmm. This doesn't, it's not at odds. And you, you know, we both are really adamant about letting people know like medical nutrition therapy is not at odds with yeah. <laughs> intuitive eating, you know, that, that is something that can yeah. nestle really nicely. And Samina showed us how with GI stuff, yeah. which feels confusing. Yeah. Yeah, and I hope you enjoyed our talk about amylase. <laughs> amylase. That's our favorite enzyme. Our favorite enzyme. <laughs> anyway. That's what gets those saltine crackers to get all mushy mm, and soft and leave them on your tongue. Yeah. Break all them sugars down. <sighs> okay, okay. Enough about the sciencey stuff. Thank you all for being here and listening to us. And, you know, we would love for you to leave us a review wherever you found us. Share, share, share with everyone. Apparently, Spotify let us know that people were listening to us in 42 new countries this year. Like, what? 42! Do you think now if we go to like any of those countries, we could find listeners and have a meal with them oh, no, or something? That and they would are be crazy. Reach out. We want to yeah, travel again. <laughs> we do appreciate you guys though. And truly like getting messages from you, hearing how you're using the podcast makes our day. This is a bit of a passion project for me and Delina. So yeah. love that it's helping you and inspiring you because what you're doing matters. So we will see yeah. you on Instagram between our recordings. And we want you to keep being who you are. Yeah, peace, love, and break the diet cycle.